Hello and welcome back to Tech 97, a film podcast with me, your host, David Ingram. Uh, on today's show, I've got another guest with me. Um, as you may be able to tell by the acoustics in this recording situation, I am still in the same place I was for the episode with Miss Emily Stanley. Uh, that is because I'm with the one and only Jason Farries, who is a very good friend of mine and colleague, as we are both uh, co-teachers at a, a local weekend drama academy, uh, the Pauline Quirk Academy for Performing Arts, uh, as we specialise in film and television. And uh, we just love film, and particularly the topic that we're going to discuss today. We're going to be discussing superheroes, but specifically we're going to be letting Jason talk all about his love for uh, the upcoming release of the Schneider Cut, or Zack Schneider's Justice League, um, which is coming out in 2021 on HBO Max, and we'll get to that just in a bit. But first of all, welcome Jason to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very good. How are you doing? Oh, good, good. You put, you put the podcast voice on. You, you're going so, like, cool, cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just very relaxed. You make me feel very comfortable. Oh, that's good. Good, that's good. I mean, I've got your, your chat, and I just want to, obviously, this is all audio, so you can't see what's here, for obvious reasons, but um, I've got... You've got my Voodoo Man chat. I've got a Voodoo Man chat. So, the, a short film which Jason has starred and produced and basically helped a lot with, along with his partner Emily, um, called The Voodoo Man. They created and it's been entered into lots of film festivals and he's had lots of success, lots of exposure, Uh, a few awards here and there as well, which is always a good plus. Mm. Um, And there's a prop which I am currently, so a chair which he uses in the film and I'm currently sat in it, so I'm feeling very, very... um, uh, privilege to be sat in a prop from a, a short film. Which you get looks, to be the voodoo man. For I, a I get to be the voodoo man. To... I mean, not not as much cool makeup, but I do feel that the. Uh, I the, took the regular chair. Uh, yeah, you took the regular chair. You, so I get the cool interview chair. You get mm. like the, the the casual guest chair. The table that we've got the um, the equipment on as well. This table's from the voodoo man. Oh yes, yes, yes. I think so. We're... We've kind of mixed in a lot of little. Little... I mean, you can't see it listening at home, but there's <laughs> Easter eggs. There's lots of Easter eggs. <laughs> I love an Easter egg. It's brilliant. Um, but yeah, so obviously, welcome to the podcast. Um, like we said, uh, Voodoo, The Voodoo Man is a short film which you've done recently. It's been making the rounds at film festivals. Mm. You've also had some success with an adaptation of an inspe- uh, J.B. Presley's and Inspector Calls, yeah. which as I believe it and as you've told many people in the comments section on your YouTube channel <laughs> it was made for uh, was it A level? It was no it was my degree your degree um, yeah. I, so I, I did a film degree in Oxford and uh, the the film in question was made as part of that uh, dissertation piece which it got me a good grade it, yeah. you know, ultimately that was what yeah. the purpose was it got me a good grade so yeah. happy with that but um, I stuck it on YouTube because uh, I figured it might be useful to certain people yeah Apparently, GCSE students find it incredibly useful. Yes. <laughs> because if, if I, I'm just making assumptions here, but I'm presuming that they prefer to watch the film rather than read the book. Yes. Um, which I highly discourage. Please read the yes. full script. Yes, disclosure. Please, if you, if you <laughs> yeah. love a film, the book is probably either ten times better or equally as good, depending on the quality of the film. So yeah. please read the books, guys. <laughs> but the film actually, I mean, that, that has won three awards. Yes. Um, which was very cool. And uh, yeah, it's, it's coming up to a million hits. Ooh, which is very cool. Very you know, cool. Which you, you don't expect, you know, our student film... Um, and that's obviously what what started yeah. me on everything. But you know, uh, 
in the next year or so, hopefully we hit a million hits. And yes, for but... me, that'll be enough for the film. I don't need anything else on that, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just, a, just a cabinet trophy with a few extra, like, uh, different, ver- oh, like, yeah. different size awards, you know? <laughs> like, um, I, I don't know what this Oscar that people talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's some, some cheap bit of tin that they hand thing. out as a participation trophy in the industry I think I've yeah I think I've got one of those at home actually I think they do them for Madame Two Swords for like two pounds a piece or something <laughs> <laughs> I am kidding obviously um, obvi- you know that would be amazing highest accolade yes I would 100% um, yeah. but yeah no so movie art obviously that's you this is um, Jason he do- he's an independent filmmaking he's an actor by trade as well uh, to yeah. start with um, you've got a few uh, interesting credits you've got a feature film that's coming out on home release I think it's on Amazon Prime at the moment uh, no, it's not on Prime yet. Oh, not yet. It's not on Prime yet. Uh, I I know that in September they're doing a DVD release, so uh, yes. I think that will coincide with the general release online. That's cool. Uh, and that's The Haunting of Margon Castle. Yes, which, which you look uh, very intense in that, I have to say. It's very... Yeah, it's, I mean, it's my first horror. Yes. Which, yeah. you know, well, not my first horror, but my first horror feature professionally mm. distributed it, etc. So my first... Yeah. Yes, it's my first, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but you look very... I, I've seen the trailer. Uh, the trailer is available online. I will leave a link to it somewhere in the social medias. Um, I highly recommend you check it out, especially when it's on uh, general release because it looks really cool. Um, but obviously that's enough about Jason. Uh, Jason's done lots of stuff in the industry. reason why I like to get uh, creatives that I know onto the podcast. Um, and I just want to talk about a specific topic, which is very close to your heart. So mm. we'll sort, we'll start off a little bit talking about superhero films in general, as we build up to the discussion on your creme de la creme, the Snyder Cut, which I just want to point out again, you can't see this because this is audio. More Easter eggs. More Easter eggs. But Jason is currently wearing a Justice League style t-shirt uh, with all the different symbols for the, all the different I'll heroes. I'll touch on this. I'll touch on this. I mean, I just briefly, but I'll, I'll, I'll explain more, but this is the All the Gods t-shirt, ah, which yes. was released by Snyder as part of his movement. So. That, that is very good. It's I love how people call it the Snyder movement because <laughs> it's just, it sounds like a cult, but it also sounds like a really cool like it's a little bit of a cult like a band or something you could call like the (laughs) the the snyder (laughs) it's a gang the snyder cut gang you know but it it is kind of like a movement you know in that way yeah you you do feel like you're part of some protest big protest Um, yeah but for less of a i mean i say less of an important reason um it has value to those who care and those of course yeah but uh there's obviously more important movements to be a part of yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been a it's been a hell of a, a journey. Is it three year, three years in the mate? Well, three in the waiting years. Twenty seventeen was when the sh- the the hashtag trend started. Yeah. Um, and since then it's just grown. Yeah. Um, I think I think they've had they've trended worldwide. Yeah. Uh, countless times now. I think uh, you know eight or ten times they've just trended worldwide, and it's supposedly one of the most trended movies. Uh, of all time and yet it, it's not even it doesn't exist yet <laughs> yes. you know it still hasn't been it's released a, it's amazing to think that such a a juggernaut that's not even a juggernaut yet has that status mm. it's it's amazing um, and so we will get more into it and the debates and all the different p- bits and pieces about that film later in the podcast but first of all I just want to start off with a few general questions so what was your first superhero movie that you came across like in your like burgeoning love of film. Oh God! I mean, uh, you're really uh, looking back now. I mean, <laughs> you know, if it was the first one I ever saw, like as a kid, uh, I would say I was very, 
very, very, very young when I saw things like the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films. Oh, I love that. I, well, I say I love them. There's a point where we all draw a line, I feel. And I think there's a specific <laughs> scene which, if anyone knows the film, number three, we're talking about you. Uh, <laughs> the Saturday Night Fever scene with Peter Parker is possibly right the best <laughs> film, scene of that film all right so anyone who's disparaging that they need to get out <laughs> because who doesn't love that scene i i mean i think the fact that people say oh i hate it so much they, they give it so much attention i feel that just sort of releases like an inner i don't know there's probably like some sort of psychological like study out there that's like oh people who hate the saturday night fever sequence in spider-man 3 the sam raimi trilogy you know they're either psychopaths or uh, you know or or on the other hand they could just be like like a deep insecurity why they hate it they actually love it but they want to be that they, they're afraid of how cool he yes, looks in that they're so and, afraid uh, of that I, I emo look they they know they will never achieve that level of class and, oh, and style <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly it's one of the highlights of, of superhero cinema without even being like I don't know, obviously you love it, and we all love it in, in many respects, but like, it's not like Assemble, I will say that now, Just it's not Avengers Assemble, no, but it's, it's one of those little quirky moments in superhero films, in the beginning of those films, that you really realise... Oh, I love I love this sort of like quirky comic oh, book yeah, nature. That that's comic book movies. Yeah. I mean, I consider, if you will, right, the nineteen sixties Batman series with Adam West. Oh, I love Adam. Was West. the is the cheesiest. Most, <laughs> yes. I mean, you look at that and it, it sets the bar for how cheesy everything can be. Yeah. Um, because you got these these two sort of middle aged guys, you know, running <laughs> yeah. around in tights, and uh, <laughs> they're supposed to be respected by the police, even though the guys that they're dealing with are going around in tights, you know? <laughs> yes. So I'm pretty sure that the police are just going, let's, let's sort out the real criminals and those guys. Just let the people in tights and the spandex. You know, just we do like their to own believe thing. that they're contributing. But, you know, I think... so. But that at the time was something of great value. It was very cool, you know? Everyone was sort of like, oh, wow, these special effects, these, yeah. the excitement, the drama. You look back on it, it's cheesy. Um, the the Sam Raimi Spider the the Sam Raimi Spider Man films, I think have that same thing where you look back now and you go, God, why did we why did we <laughs> think that was so cool? Yeah, but you know that happens with the Tim Burton Batman's and the even even the original Superman has oh, yes. you know those cheesy moments. And I I am sure that we'll look back on things like the MCU yeah. and Chris Nolan's trilogy and we'll go, yeah. what that's is that? So, Wow, that's so cheesy. Like, yeah, uh, what, 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 what is everyone's this music? so serious? Why are they so serious? You know? Yeah. I, I was, who knows? Who knows? Who, who knows? Who knows? Um, I, w- I would say definitely, obviously that's a highlight for me in terms of my bring- upbringing with superhero films. I am quite familiar in terms of not so much film, but I remember the cartoon. I think it's The Amazing Spider-Man. I, I, that's one of my oh, first... yes. The, the cartoon series, which... developed by Fox. Yes, with like Fox the... Kids and stuff uh-huh. like that on the TV. And I remember the, um, the crossovers, which I used to look forward to so much, where they had Iron Man and Spider-Man and the oh, Hulk yeah. and all and, that and in Wolverine the same... as well. Oh, the, what, yeah, when they brought, actually brought the X-Men in. You see, this is the thing that the live actions are missing. So, I mean, they might might do it soon because of the whole the merger we got the, the, the Disney merger Fox merger happened so hopefully i mean hopefully we'll get to see wolverine back on our screens alongside dr strange or you know all these other iconic uh characters that we've come to know and love um some people who have loved them in the comic book days and obviously we're just talking about the films here but obviously comic book movies and superhero based stuff it has that much 
deeper level to it because you have all the lore from the comic books and then obviously it's the job of the director and the producers and all the people involved in making the film to really come to that compromise of like bringing a faithful adaptation but also something that will sell money and I well, feel yeah. that's probably uh, to lead on to our points with the, the Schneider Cut yeah. I feel that is kind of what went wrong I suppose with the original Justice League like they were looking to make money and they were looking to fix things quite quickly and that's where things went a little bit out of hand and the perfect result wasn't I, achieved yeah. The, I mean, the, the, what's, what's happened with Snyder Cut... I, I mean, just on your point about adaptation, a, a director's job is to lead that adaptation. Yeah. You know, they have a vision of it. They can take a version of a character and a story and they can present it in their style, in their vision. Um, I mean, a perfect example of that is, you know, you, there's so many comics and graphic novels that are totally different Spider-Man for example the yeah. amount of suits and renditions and artwork that you get from Spider-Man which is is totally different they've got Spectacular Spider-Man Amazing Spider-Man yeah. Superior Spider-Man uh, Ultimate Spider-Man Spider-Man 2099 Spider-Man Noir all of these yeah. are just different adaptations mm. of what is essentially the same character yeah. you know uh, even Batman goes through his renditions yeah and... yeah, you've got obviously the stuff which is imitating the Adam West TV show but then yeah. of course it kind of it did re it started like that initially because you've got all the different designs like loads of people nowadays like kids today will probably be getting into Batman because they might watch the Christian Bale films like the Nolan trilogy yeah. first and that might be their first experience or they might be watching the uh, the vampire uh, when that eventually yeah. comes to fruition they <laughs> the, might be watching Batman versus Superman yeah. you know um, it's it's the, everyone's going to have the one that they grew up with and it's going to be their one you know, and, and Tim Burton Batman for me yeah. was my Batman as a kid. See, I agree with that. Although I am in no way, I was not alive during these films. Um, I was, yeah. I, like the closest one that's close to my birthday is the 19, actually no, the one that came out the year I was born. I think it was, wait, is Batman and Robin 1997? I think that is. Uh, yeah, it was. Yeah. So you had um, Tim Burton's Batman, which was Michael Keaton and yeah. Jack Nicholson. I love that those. That was 96. Yeah, I love those. Um, and then of course they followed that up with... Uh, 89 actually, I think. 89, 92. And then follows up. Was with, it? Oh, yes, I much earlier. In my head that it was 96. No, no, I think wow. it was earlier than that. It's, it's really, because I love the Tim Burton ones. Like you, I love the Tim Burton ones. I yeah, love, yeah, yeah. Now, loads of people are like, when I say, oh, Batman Returns is my favourite Batman movie, I'm not like, they're like, that's such a weird film, The Penguin. Like, Danny DeVito is so creepy, but I'm just like, I love it. Oh, it's no, that brilliant. brilliant. And Michelle Pfeiffer is Catwoman. Oh, is, is uh, gorgeous Go a gorgeous film and Christopher Walken as the as the villain in uh, as is, Max Schreck I think his name is great. so brilliant you know and that that's that's got a really nice aesthetic to it but okay so now we're getting back onto director's adaptations which yeah. is Tim Burton took Batman there and everyone accepted that's Batman and he's done pretty well but the way he did Penguin and Catwoman was so typical of Tim Burton's design yeah Catwoman's suit looks like Sally from um, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yes. The stitch is all over and the way it's assembled. Um, and then you look at Cobblepot and he kind of looks like the mayor from Halloween Town. Mm, yeah, you know, exactly. There, there's these similarities. You recognise where these characters come from and yeah. Tim Burton's style. Now, okay, so Justice League. Yeah. Justice League in uh, 2016 when they were shooting the film, um, Snyder had a, had a very unfortunate incident in the family. He had his daughter sadly committed suicide. Mm -hmm. It's it's a it's a really tragic event, and 
all of the uh, fans, the cast and crew, they were all there to, to support him and give him that level of you know, space. So he stepped back and the executives hired Joss Whedon to, to finish it. And mm. Joss, now I, I'm not there, I wasn't there. No. But uh, you know, things are coming out now about his you know, etiquette on set and the way he behaved and apparently he was inappropriate. Mm. Now on top of that, the, the executives, I think, had a conversation with him that went along the lines of, look, we've had a lot of negative criticism about Batman vs Superman. It's too dark. It's yeah. too gritty. Uh, let's line it up. Let's do a Marvel and a Disney and say, oh, okay, time to, to make light of yeah. all of this. But, you know, where what happens in that scenario is, you know, you've, you've contradicted yourself yeah. and you've stepped into uh, a different person's territory. So things didn't match up anymore. And the, the film was cut to shreds, reshot, something like 90% of the film was reshot. Uh, most of it is, is Whedon's footage and Whedon's storytelling. Yeah. We, the, there's so many. I mean, what's, what's hilarious about this? So three years ago, when tw- in 2017, when, um, when Justice League came out, mm. the fans sat there in, in theatres all over the world and they went, that didn't feel right. Mm. What? What happened with that film? It's like, I mean, obviously, I'm not as much of a DC nut as as I would say you were. Mm. Um, I'm much more. I sort of jumped on the Marvel bandwagon, and the only sort of DC sort of stuff I've been more into some of the TV shows they've done, and also the Nolan trilogy for the Batman films, and like I said, the Tim Burton films. Um, but I do, as I did watch it, and I was thinking, yeah, oh, it's very odd so odd it's, it's like odd it, because yeah. obviously the initial thinking behind it was oh we need a good like a director that's used to team up superhero um scenario let's get joss whedon in to do it you know let's let's do a let's do an avengers uh, and he but, did assemble and he did age of ultron and you i can understand their logic behind it but the final product it's the final product doesn't work because he he's not handling um he's not handling the same content yeah. you know when when you've got um the wisecracks coming from iron man thor and captain america you yeah know, okay that works yeah you know but uh w- w- the way you treat those characters has to be different to batman superman wonder woman because yeah. the the difference in the comics is massive as well exactly i mean i think with the whole i think the only arguably in my opinion the only character in dc that should be quippy as such is the flash i would say whereas yeah like i mean you can have a darker flash because that's something that's been done um in like justice league League dark and you know all the different adaptations that you get Mm. but i do feel that the flash is probably the only dc character out of the lineup from justice league from that film you could get away with the odd quip and and uh, Shazam and, and Shazam, Shazam obviously and yeah. certainly uh, Green Lantern is is one yes. that you know but the they they that's that shows their personality trait. yeah Batman should not quit it should never the only time that we've had a like like I think we've had a nice look like, we've discussed already a nice progression of Batman already mm. so yeah we had the fun we had the fun campy Batman of Adam West yeah but now people have got used to the Tim Burton Batman the darkness and that. And obviously we had a bit of a little bit of a bump with the with the Batman and Robin and uh, <laughs> and uh, Batman well, Forever. Joel Schumacher. I mean, ba- Batman and Robin is is an interesting one. It's, it's interesting, interesting to watch, isn't it? <laughs> but you know, the I think back then the the whole market for superhero films was about selling toys. Exactly. Yeah. So they and I think there is interviews where they they talk to people and they say, oh, that's because it was based on toys. We were yeah. Sell toys. 
Uh, Nolan's Batman was, of course, an example of how would Batman work in modern day? Yeah. What would he, how would he operate? What would he do? And actually, I'm going to retract my statement about Batman shouldn't quip. Because, yes, he should, but he should quip in his style. Yes. And I think, you know, Nolan's Batman, Christian Bale, had these moments where, you know, he, he takes a, a ride in the tumbler. And Morgan Freeman looks at him and he goes, any questions? And he goes, does it come in black? And you're like, that's that's clever, that's witty, but that he, without being, you know, self-deprecating or anything, yeah. he's being cool and he's being funny. At the same exactly. Time. Whereas I do feel the lines that both in Batman versus Superman and especially in Justice League, I do feel that you get that. Uh, it's some of the lines, a lot of them, they just feel like out of place uh, in in some of the tones, because you, you've got. Ben Affleck, who's like proper dedicated he's himself very physically, yeah, he's, he's very, very he's a very good. good actor, and he's physically like like dedicated himself to the role. But then it, I don't know, the tone doesn't quite mix. It's it's strange. So it's... The, the issue you have there is in Batman versus Superman, Snyder's dialogue was about um, it was it was about passion. I mean, uh, so yeah. Snyder Snyder takes a lot from poetry, from art, from history, from literature. And uh, and he treats his films like like an epic story, like an epic yeah. poem, and that's why the director's cut of Batman vs Superman is three hours long. The reason that it's three hours long is because he has not sat there and gone, oh, you know, I need to I need to confine this. He's gone, I'm going to take my time to tell this story. Mm-hmm. If I want a nightmare sequence, if I want a vision, if I want yeah. anything, these are these are building blocks which are going to lead to my other films. Yeah. So you get a snippet into Flash's time travel. You yeah. get a snippet into the dark side world through Batman's nightmare. Yeah. And these are all important details which build up to what was going to be his Justice League. Yeah. Um, so when Whedon comes along and tears all that down again, yes. redesigns Steppenwolf, recuts um, Batman's dialogue, yeah. you know, you, you do get these contradictory tones. Yeah. Now with Batman, so on his dialogue, he goes from saying things like, if you believe there is a 1% chance that he is our enemy, then we have to take it as an absolute certainty. And then you follow that up with the, the, the next film, he's, he gets knocked to the side by Superman. And as, as cool as that is, he gets knocked to the side and then he, he gets up and goes, oh, something's definitely bleeding. And you're like, oh, that's not Batman. That's that that you could slip right into the mouth of, I know, Tony Stark quite easily or Thor. Yeah. One, one of those two. It, but not Batman. Which shows Joss Whedon's style. Now, you know, what, you go back, you, 2017, we're watching the movie, it feels very odd, and there are so many things which don't match up. We expected a black suit on Superman. Yeah. That's comic book. That's just canon. We expected it. It didn't happen. We were there to forgive it, but the, the CGI face on Henry Cavill, removing mustache. his mustache, is just beyond anything that is I mean it was scary yes it was scary and we've done they've done face younger I mean, technology and all of this they've, they've done, done it some great ones in in like what is it in the Star Wars universe they've done it with, they did it with Carrie Fisher where they put the face on, on I, yeah uh, Carrie Fisher was alright because it was a blip on it, the screen it was very brief but blip. then you look at um, was it Grandma Tarkin Grandma Tarkin yes. exactly yes. Peter now, Cushing it, he, Peter Cushing obviously had such a distinct face so they've been able to model it but then watching it's... it in Rogue One was like Oh, you look like a a puppet. <laughs> yeah, you'd like a puppet, like something. It's it's too. It's odd. It was actually. Do you know? I because I, I've recently been watching slightly different topic, but we'll get back to Snyder in a second. But I've been watching the Nightmare on Elm Street films, and when you mention, oh, it looks like we we mentioned looks like a puppet for Grandma Tarkin and the CGI. Mm. 
I don't, I, because of his distinct cheekbones and the way they projected them onto, I forget the actor's name, but onto um, the, the actor's name who was doing all the body work for Grand Moff Tarkin. We met him, I, me and me and Emily, we, we met him recently at a, um, at a signing, I can't... Yeah, but he's, um, but, but anyway, he, when he, uh, is the way the cheekbones work, I don't know, it reminds me of the sort of makeup they would do for like Freddy Krueger <laughs> with the wide cheekbones. Yeah. It just looks, and even though it's all CGI, it looks like there was really something scary. About it. I, but I think that's your, your human brain that it's yeah. very, it's, it's way more intelligent than you realize. And your human brain has the ability to uh, recognize when something's not real. And I think, leaning back to Snyder, I do, uh, you know, obviously this is all subjective, we're just talking here, but like, I, I don't know, it's a debate which film fans are always having particularly ones the superhero genre and ones you know you have issues of adaptation but i feel we talked about adap- adapting the comics this is the joss whedon adapting schneider's foundation and yeah this is like we've seen the road to not disaster as such but something that we didn't really ask for like we asked for something else and we got something else well you i mean even even there you say you say subjective and we can say that it is subjective but i think it is an objective fact yes that uh, <laughs> that it was a it was a bad film yes um there was a lot of problems with it and the so so now of course i'm i'm, I'm going to talk about the actual movement itself because this is three years I've been following this. Yes. Um, so to you've hear the there, announcement, yeah. you've been there and got the t-shirt. Oh, I've got, I got I got several t-shirts. <laughs> you've got several yeah. t-shirts. Um, to, so so recently he did a live stream of Man of Steel where he analysed his film. He broke it down. He he sh- showed storyboards and influences. And I'm like, God, you know the things, the way that he talks about his film, it's the like he's talking about Greek mythology. Yeah. Like this in-depth lore about how these work, and in a way. In a way, Superman and, and these Justice League characters, they do have a, a lot of lore behind yeah. them. So if you treated them like you would Greek mythology, you'd go, oh, okay, they've got parentage and they've got home worlds and they've got uh, lineage. But he talks about all that. Now, right at the end of that, he does an announcement with Henry Cavill, pops up on, on the live stream and goes, guess what? We're doing this on HBO Max. Hmm. Everyone goes nuts. Internet um, explodes. And uh, you you get this lovely sort of um, triumphant thing. So everyone's now waiting for this. This is this is coming, and yeah. it's it's very exciting. Before all this, um, we we went through stages of pff, what you know. We saw Justice League and went, that can't be right. That can't be it. And we thought there's so many things that went wrong. Um, then stuff started to come out, uh, you know, and slowly the the movement began of like, well. Let's get the director to release his version. Yeah. And what we didn't realize at the time is the Pandora's box that was about to be opened. Yeah. Because the amount of stuff that came out about, oh, there's going to be another hour worth of footage. Uh, 90% of the film is not Zach's footage. So before, even in its raw state, it was going to be almost three hours and it would have been none of it that we saw. Almost none of it that we saw was Zach's. Yeah. So... In, in that, it's going to be a, a totally different movie. Zach is now talking about four hours yes. as a movie. And again, I come back to the epic poetry. Yes. You know, because he, he doesn't write films to be just cute little Commercial fun flicks. You know, successes. Then, no, he writes them for the art form that they are. Exactly. He, he yes. is doing this like it's art. Yeah. I think Joss, you know, I, 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 I don't know where I stand on my sort of opinion of him now, Joss Whedon. Um, 
I, I, I admire most of his work, mm. but uh, Justice League is one where I go, no, you're the devil. Yeah. You're the devil in this scenario. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but so the movement as it, it started to grow, and we we got to a point where Snyder got involved. Yeah. And was like, I'm gonna just tease a few things. Yeah. And uh, I think he's he's he planted the seeds of, uh, of of the flowers which grew into what was the huge movement. Eventually, it did trend worldwide because Ben Affleck jumped on it, and Ray Fisher jumped on it, Jason Momoa jumped on it, and Jason Momoa was very vocal about it. Mm. I mean, he he was saying like, I've seen it. You need to watch <laughs> it. You need yeah. to see it. And he was released on Snyder cut. You know, and you're like, yeah. beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. <laughs> But the one thing that Snyder did, which I have the ultimate respect for, yes. and this is what really comes, this is my base point about all this, and I think it's his base point as well. His situation was, was born out of tragedy. Yeah. His, his daughter sadly um, you know, felt like she couldn't go on anymore, and that meant that him and his wife, Deborah Snyder, who was also a producer, yeah. they had to step away. Mm-hmm. And uh, as they as they've stepped away, it gets taken away from them. So yeah. you know they've they've had this horrible family tragedy, and then all of their their work that they've been doing gets taken away from Swipe them. Swipe well. clean completely. And any filmmaker will will feel like a film is their child, their yeah. baby. So in in that way, I I feel like he he lost so much more. Yeah, exactly. On top of his family tragedy, so that must have been really hard for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he suffered some really serious yeah. depression. And I would say that. In terms of whilst the tragedy that he faced was like no one until you experience it you can't sympathize like you can't you can't even like relate to it but I do feel with the film as it comes out next year I do feel that this release of like cause obviously we've discussed Schneider as this artist uh, mm. like it's very biblical in the way that he does his you know it's, it's so epic and grand in mm. like the godly mass of these superheroes that he depicts on screen I do feel the pain that he has like felt through this like through that personal tragedy yeah. will most definitely be translated to the final I, I do edition s- I do feel like he will feel some sort of vindication relief you know, he, he's going to feel satisfaction yeah. in the and fact that his story will finally be told. Because five yeah. years he's been working on this. Yeah. Five years. By the time it's released, it'll be 2016 to 21. And that he's been, that's five years he's been doing five Justice years. League. Now, okay, so back to my t-shirt. The story, <laughs> yes. the story behind this. The, the story, story behind, behind this. So this is all related. So the, yes. the t-shirt was designed by Snyder. Yes. And, and it was released by him. And he's done two t-shirts now he's releasing a third yes these are all available on ink to the people yes which is a charity t-shirt foundation mm. so he put all the proceeds towards uh the american foundation for suicide prevention mm. they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars which has meant that not only has you know this this film and this movement released the snyder cut not only is it getting the vindication of receiving the film and fan service and that's wonderful you know that's That's someone's going to make a profit off of that and the fans (laughs) are going to just feel for the fans it means so much more than just a a movie yeah for them it's it's a real it's a long time part of their life you know any any superhero fans feel very passionately about the things they love any fan of any any subject is very passionate about what they do so this is going to be huge for the fans but for the people and the charities that this has helped the hundreds of thousands of, of dollars that have gone into suicide prevention charities that are, you know, providing a service to, to help combat the number of suicide yeah. cases. That's huge. That's massive because that means that, you know, there, there are people that are going to be still with us today mm. that otherwise wouldn't have been 
had it not been for the, the amazing donations that came from these fans that decided, you know what, we're not satisfied with that film. Yeah. And as a, although we want something out of this, we're supporting a good cause at the same exactly. time. So, you know, in, in a way, Zack Snyder has made far more superheroes out of everyday people than he has from <laughs> than, than, than anything that Marvel's done, you know. I mean, like, uh, to compare the two, Marvel is definitely the most fun film. Yeah, like, it's, you know, it would be silly of me to say that you don't feel some sort of emotion if, you are, if you've been connected to the franchise, the, the entire MCU from the beginning. Mm. But I feel, like you say, this one film has much more impact than the entire M like it, you know it's the MCU is brilliant and we can't we can't say that otherwise it's brilliant but, but they you know with Disney behind them they've had amazing funding they lots have, of marketing they've done lots great of... films uh, Black Panther was a huge step forward for certainly black characters being put in the in the foreground of films and they and they're continuing to do that yes and, and that that's really championing um, people who are often undervalued in the film industry um, you know, more female leads, more black leads, more minorities in leading roles, yes. um, in, in hero roles, which is, it's helping with uh, identifying diversity and supporting that. Um, but D so looking at DC though, I mean, this, this one film, exactly. It is, yeah. it's one film. It's one film and you can't really, uh, like, you know, the entire MCU is one massive milestone and obviously getting to Endgame that was the epic cherry on the top conclusion mm. with Infinity War, which really, it gives fan service, it's entertainment value, it's massive in terms of the money, it's massive in terms of, you know, fan response, um, and like you say, all the reasons that Marvel are going forward. But it really does show a testament to DC, though, that there's been such a big response to just one film rather than 23. I think it shows as well that all superhero fans are very passionate people. Yes. They're very, they're very passionate. To the, to the point where they'll go Marvel versus DC. I mean, ultimately, yeah. if you're a superhero fan, you go and watch both. Exactly. You yeah. go and watch both. There is no Marvel versus DC. There no. is no Spider-Man rather than Superman. I mean, the there? amount of times yeah. that I've sort of sat and thought, you know what, it'd be, it'd be, I'd love to see, like, you know, I want to see the flash and i i'm i'm gonna reference the grant gustin version from the tw show because <laughs> I, I i think that's a bit of fun it's got problems but it's got it's a bit of fun but i'd love to see him pit it up against um so, like spider-man from the mcu you know in the definitely, same film it's definitely. a sort of you know and you know captain america versus um the swamp thing you know you, the, these all these combinations because the fans they do love both Ultimately, yeah. they do love it, and and I think that if you're a if you're a Marvel fan and you're watching the MCU, you're gonna go. This is fun. This is action packed. This feels easy to consume, and uh, and there there is in depth lore and everything behind it. It's not to say it's without depth. It is. It has lots of depth, but equally, it can be joy enjoyed as a surface level uh, film, uh, and you can enjoy it just by going. Oh, I'm just gonna stick it on. Yeah. You know. Whereas the the DC fans. Uh, get these movies which are grittier. I mean, Joker yes. has, by Todd Phillips Fantastic. has proved that they can make a really dark adult film yes. that is still in the comic book um, movies. Like the style, you know? Yeah. So when you, you take the DC, you go, I love that. <laughs> I also love this. They can coexist as two totally different entities. And the fact that Warner Brothers got scared by the fan reviews and got scared by the critics reviews and said oh we need to be more like marvel mm. i think they shot themselves in the foot 
They've now realized their mistake and they're going, I tell you what, you know, the least we can do, let's get HBO Max on this, let's release Snyder's Vision. And they, the ball is entirely in their court. Because yeah. just think of, think of the possibilities here. Either everyone goes out and buys the Snyder Cut and they hate it. And they go, well, pff, actually, we prefer Joss Whedon's. It's unlikely. It's unlikely they prefer <laughs> Justice League, you know. No, but, Justice uh, League. Justice League, yeah. <laughs> it's unlikely they prefer that. But let's, let's say they do, then they've still made a profit because everyone went and bought the Snyder Cut. Exactly. And the fans are happy because they go, well, we got an answer. Now, if everyone enjoys the Snyder Cut, let's say they love it. Let's say it's the best film of all time. It, it beats everything. Um, yeah. Anything it's ever made. Um, let's just say it's... Then, guess what? Warner Brothers are looked upon as these holy lords of film Once that have more. granted... Yeah. It's like, I am blessing you with the touch of my gift of Snyder Cut. You know, it's like, yeah. here, I am, I am giving you this. This is my, this is my gift to you. Un- yes. Anti-generous, anti-benevolent, uh, loving God. You know, but... That they're, they're going to profit off that, and then they've got the opportunity to put the DCEU back on track. Yes. Hire Snyder in again and say, "Well, tell you what, you Sorry. had a um, you had a five film arc that you were doing. You're halfway through it. Let's carry on with it because it turns out the fans actually love it, and they're more vocal when we try and stop doing this than when we were doing it. So I think the critics that that came out of the woodwork for 2017 uh, and 2016 when they were at Batman versus Superman. And said, oh, this is rubbish, it's too dark, I don't like it. The, the Disney bias, I don't yeah. want to call it out, but it's the Disney bias. Yeah, cause it's because pe- it's what people have become used to. Because yeah. it's, it's ten years of the MCU. You can't you really avoid that bias. Because, you know, and it, it's not necessarily a bad thing, because everybody loves their own, you know, has their own comfort zones. Yes. But at the same time, that does draw that detriment down to the whole, whether you're going to enjoy a variety of film. And... I just, uh, I would love to listen to you talk on more and more and more, <laughs> but I'm going to limit you just a little bit. So we'll, but into, I think a good point to the end on for that is the fact that hopefully this will shoot up a resurgence in Schneider's, you know, overall artistic vision and career. But, you know, he's already amazing anyway, but like based on the feats that he's got, but this will be a good way to sort of hopefully get him on to the rest of the films that he can plan to do for the future and hopefully bring yeah. us some more amazing art as I, it were <laughs> I would say that, that's probably my wish out of all of it I mean it's been it's been a few years we're getting the Snyder Cut that is, is enough that's definitely enough but if I had one more wish that I could pull out for this movement and for Snyder it would be that he gets to finish his other two movies yeah that, that, that so. would be excellent um, to end the podcast on a slightly lighter note because for those of you who have listened thank you for listening with us because this has been probably not intense, but probably the most in-depth podcast I've done to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it, it's been a brilliant one. Honestly, even just to let you talk about it for a, lot, a long time and just me pitch in with the odd things, it's been brilliant. And I really want to get you on for another episode sometime in the future because I know yeah. this has been really great fun and we get along. So, and you seem quite relaxed in your non-voodoo man chair. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm glad you got the chair. I, I feel like uh, it's a nice little seat of power to give you for this. It's very know? good. It's very good. And... Um, but I would like to end on a slightly lighter note. In general, I think I asked your partner this already. Is there any particular film or anything that you're looking at other than the Schneider Cut? Because yeah. obviously we know you love the Schneider <laughs> we're, Cut. We're definitely forward to that. You know? um, but is there anything particularly you're looking forward to coming out when cinema, obviously because at the moment as we record this, cinema's finding its feet again, getting back up to hopefully some sort of normality within the current um, situation. 
do you feel that like is there anything you're looking forward to the most um, that's hopefully coming out in the cinemas any particular films or oh god I mean so many so many so, so many but if you um, could name one I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to going back to the cinema yes that's <laughs> one um, but if I could name one I would say probably James Bond Oh yes. we're still waiting on that. You know, the final it was, it was meant to be in April. The final so. Daniel Craig film. Uh, yeah, no, no time, time to, die. to die. It's been like I think it's got on its third release date now because I think it was due out in April. They kept pushing it back. Then it, then it was due out in November, and now mm. I think it's due out sometime next year. Which I really just like you. I want to see the end of Daniel Craig's era, and then I want to see it in the cinema. I don't. I don't want to see it on streaming services. I want to indulge in a cinema experience. Exactly. I am a filmmaker, and by sort of. A standard I like to indulge in the experience so and with that I feel that's the perfect way to end the episode really <laughs> um, so thank you Jason for coming in um, I say you. coming in I'm in your house uh, <laughs> you're in my chair I'm in your, I'm in your chair um, thank you very much for letting me come over and record yeah. this with you it's been an absolute pleasure absolute mighty 40 and a half minutes <laughs> going and it's been brilliant so uh, for now guys obviously stay tuned for more episodes and if you want to get in touch about any of the opinions we've viewed today by all means get get in on the twitter check our instagram and yeah i'll post the link to jason's relative social media so keep an eye on his work because he's brilliant as well oh, um <laughs> he's got some great stuff coming up and i it's really hope kind. i really yeah well you know i have to butt you up sometime get you back on um but i'm looking forward to it so uh, that's the end of this episode. That's a wrap on Take 97, the uh, Snyder Cut superhero supercut episode. <laughs> and mm. I'll see you soon, guys. Bye. Bye.